Hello everyone, welcome to the fourth episode of The Center Project. Today is November 2nd, 2020, and we are one day away from the presidential election. Um, so in today's episode, I actually don't have a guest, and I just wanted to share some of my thoughts and my views, why I am voting the way I am. And before I get into that, I wanted to make a couple of things you know, clear, uh, at, at least what I believe. So this election, we have two candidates that are going to win. We either have the current president, Donald Trump, or we have the former vice president, Joe Biden. It's important to understand this because a lot of people as of right now are believe that, you know, it's a lesser of two evils. You know, you either settle for Biden, settle for Trump, or you choose to vote third party and everything, which all of that I'm going to get into later. But the key I wanted to focus on, and I've touched this in some of my previous episodes, is voting for third party. So especially for the democratic base, the left-wing base, the leftists, the progressives, the liberals, you know, all of them collectively being the left of the political spectrum of the United States, you know, um, you know, which I think uh, includes a lot of centrists too. I think they would identify as Democrats. So the issue with third party, if you are a Democrat, if you are a leftist, if you know, all of that, you know, left side of the spectrum comes with the fact that you have the Republican, the right wing, the Trump base, and they are not going to waver. They love their president. They love the policies he's enacting, which, you know, um, a lot of the time benefits them. It's, it's you know, politics is a lot about, you know, not, you know, there are certain things, obviously, what's right and wrong. Um, you know, racism is always going to be wrong. There will never be a reason to defend it. But there are situations where, you know, it things benefit some people and other. Taxes always benefit a certain class of people and hurts the others. And you can always argue back and forth. So a lot of Trump supporters, they like his policies, his social and economic policies. And when it comes to Joe Biden, that's when the, you know, support starts wavering. If you look at the, you know, the polling data, the national polling data, there are a lot more Democrats, a lot more left wings, a lot more leftist progressives combined than there are, you know, right wing supporters. But the reason that Donald Trump and other Republican candidates always have a shot at winning is because they're very united, which is, you know, good for them. What, you know, people think that third party voting does is, hey, look, I'm voting for third party. So that means, you know, I'm just trying to vote for a candidate that I believe best represents my views. You know, I don't think Biden does that, nor does Trump do that. What they actually fail to understand is they're taking, you know, the reason we say that, oh, if you're voting third party, you're a vote for third parties, a vote for Trump is because when you choose, you know, because again, the right wing supporters, Trump supporters, they don't, they don't even have a discussion about voting for third party. They love their candidate. What you as like a leftist or a progressive, if you, you know, you're listening, you're talking, I'm talking to, if somebody falls in that category is the reason you're voting for Trump is because you're taking a vote away from the democratic base, right? Uh, most likely you're registered as a Democrat. And even if you are registered as an independent, you have voted Democrat in the past. So you're considered part of that base and you're taking a vote away from it which is effectively you know pull it giving it to trump or you know it's not necessarily you know minus one and plus one but it is definitely a minus one from the biden base so that's why a lot of people a lot of you know biden supporters and settle for biden people um disagree with third party supporters and i and i agree like at the end of the day whether you're voting for howie haskins or joe um the libertarian party leader you would not necessarily achieve anything because let's say if you're voting for Howie Askins and you're, you know, you're a single issue voter, uh, let's say if you care about, you know, the environmental or, um, 
legislations and stuff, you know that Biden and Trump are going to win. So yes, Biden may not have the exact environmental policies, the Green New Deal, the you know complete banning of fracking, the uh, uh, and enactment of like environment and po- environmental policies to the max extent immediately. But he does have better. Um, you know, environmental track record and more support. And he actually believes in climate change or he like supports it fully um, than the president Trump. Now, I don't like to not be biased is the same thing with like libertarian party is if you're voting for a libertarian party, to me, you should vote for Donald Trump because yes, uh, obviously Trump still, a lot of libertarians, they don't, they support a lot of the governmental regulations and Trump still supports some governmental regulations. But at the end of the day, compared to Joe Biden, he wants to, you know, lift those regulations coming back to the topic of environment you know he uh, obviously withdrew of the uh, paris climate accord and other um you know he has lifted another other environmental um legislations i mean look what he has done to ep and stuff so if you're a libertarian you would want to support donald trump like i'm not saying that like you know all third party candidates should support biden to me it's just that the whole settling thing, like, you know, I will, you know, go into more why I don't think settling is, you know, the right choice of words. But for now, like the settling thing is it's a real thing, because at the end of the day, you know, one of those parties are going to win. Now you might be thinking, you know, I want to break out of this two party system and all of that. But to me, that comes from a very privileged place, you know, and this is why, because in the next four years, regardless of Trump and Biden wins, their base is going to be, you know, hurt personally, but also there's going to be policies elected that are going to be against their base. If you're a Biden supporter and Trump wins, you're going to have policies that are against, especially with the Supreme Court, you're going to have policies against anti, uh, you know, they're going to be anti-abortion. They're going to be potentially anti-LGBTQ rights. They're going to be, you know, anti-environmental, you know, anti-environment legislation. And whereas if you're a Trump supporter and Joe Biden wins, you're going to have things too. You know, um, there's going to be a bigger separation of state and church. There's going to be pro-abortion. So if you're pro-life, you know, so there are things that if the other candidate wins, you're going to lose. So supporting a third party candidate, you're just basically saying that, you know, those things don't affect me. And it may be true. Like, let's say if you are, you know, a white leftist, it's true that, uh, you know, like Biden's uh, you know, Trump is very vocal against BLM. Biden supports it. So having a president that's vocal against Black Lives Matter as a white leftist, it may not necessarily affect you. As a white leftist man, it may not affect you that, you know, Roe v. Wade be get abolished. But you have to think about others in your base and others in America in general. Their lives, you know, the DACA kids, uh, you know, people, pro-life or pro-choice, like their decisions matter too. And it may not necessarily directly affect you, but as an American citizen, it's not just about, you know, I want a candidate who 100% follows my beliefs because that'll never happen. You know, even Bernie Sanders has some views that like leftists don't like. You know, a lot of people say that even Bernie Sanders was the settled candidate, for example. So you always have to vote for the person that aligns with your views the best, even if it's slightly. Because, you know, even if you're like uh, super, super against, like you're like a super like extreme left side of the politics, you should still realize that Biden is pro-abortion. If you're extreme right-wing side uh, of the politics, you know, uh, super, super right-wing, you should still realize that, you know, Donald Trump does, you know, want to reduce taxes. He ne- necessarily wants to completely eliminate all the taxes like some libertarians want, but he does want to reduce taxes. So you settle for one of those candidates, either one. Like that, what you vote is at the end of the day, you know, 
I will jump into what I'm voting for. But at the end of the day, what you vote is your conscience. And this idea of voting for third party breaks away for the two party system. As a, somebody who came, who you know, comes from a country with a multi-party system like Indian Pakistan, that's not how it works. Just because you vote for a third party doesn't break away from the two-party system. Even now, with India having so many parties, it's still a two-part. It's basically still a two-party system, and both of those parties have corrupt leaders. You know, we talk about the Cong- Congress in India, uh, the Congress party in India being super corrupt, and the current prime minister is, you know, like borderline, a, a borderline dictator who, like, j- like has stated um, his dislike towards Muslim Indians in India. So it's interesting to me because. Y- it doesn't necessarily work like that. And if you do want a third party candidate, if you do want more parties in America, that's totally fine. But to me, the way to do it is not necessarily by voting in such a crucial and pivotal election, regardless if you're left or right. It's such a crucial election. It's not about throwing your vote away. It's about it should be that, hey, let's, you know, get the word out. Let's, you know, fundraise. Why spend millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, I don't know what their budget is, on campaigning for an election you're going to lose when you could spend that lobbying for the legislation you want? To me, that's what makes these third-party candidates so, you know, like, people I can never take seriously. Because if Howie Askins, you know, really cares about the environment, why not use all the money instead of running for a presidential election? Why not use the money to inform people about Green Party or invest in House and Senate seats they will actually they actually have a shot of winning? Or, you know, lobby for legislation so at least you get something out of that money instead of throwing it all away. And the same thing goes for the, you know, Joe with the Libertarian Party. So to me, like, I can never take third parties seriously. And that's the exact reason why third parties will never be viable because they don't you know, so far, the two main third parties I have, I don't believe they really care about, you know, all the legislation, or, you know, as much as they care about their third party status as, you know, like being a rebellious, you know, nature, it's like, it's like, it's like a, you know, like a middle schooler kid, like you want to be rebellious more than you want to actually have an impact. No, that's not how it works. Like, if you genuinely care about this legislation, these act, then act upon it, you know, the best method to do it. Because for years, I don't know how many elections these parties have been around, but they have never gone like, you know, any significant amount of vote. So to me, like, if I was somebody who had like, you know, like a Green Party or Libertarian Party, where either I'm super focused on the environment, or I'm super focused on freedom, uh, complete freedom of the American citizens, to me, I would focus on laws, Senate, House, specifically, you know, the House, because those are things I can win instead of wasting my money. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're voting for them, if you're giving, donating the money, it is your vote, it is your money, you're right. I can't ask you or I can't tell you to, you know, vote for anybody except who you want to vote for. But what I can do and what I'm doing right now is I can definitely explain to you why it's it's meaningless. It, it will not get what you want and it is meaningless. At the end of the day, if you still choose to vote, then, um, you know, that's your decision. So now I want to get into a little bit, uh, that's out of the way, into the whole 2020 election, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. So I hear this a lot where a lot of people are settling for Biden, right? And to me, you know, some one of my friends said this to me, and it's that you always settle for a candidate. As I said earlier, even Bernie Sanders had things, you know, Bernie Sanders wasn't always against uh, gun, uh, wasn't always for gun control. If you look at his um, track record, he's been very, very shaky in gun control. So nobody's perfect, right? But 
you always have to settle for a candidate that matches you the best. Now, to de- to the degree they match you, obviously differs. You know, people who support, uh, uh, you know, who are extremely left, they will match more with Bernie Sanders than they would with Biden. People who are on the very very right side of things, they would match with Donald Trump over a more centrist Republican like Mitt Romney. That's a fact, yes. But you always settle for a candidate, and you when you know you only have two choices, right? Um, and I'm not saying like either either one of this is Trump or either one of this is Biden, but you know you have two choices. You either get shot in the chest or you get either get shot in the foot. You know, you like at the end of the day, there's really no other choice. And if you choose not to pick, you know, like, oh, I don't want to pick either one. I'm just not going because I don't like either one Then I'm just then you leave it up to chance it being a 50 50 shot to either the chest or foot. At the end of the day, if it was me, I would take the shot to the foot, whether you're right wing or whether you're left wing. It's something what I'm trying to say is that you always go for the candidate, even if he doesn't necessarily best match your views. You always go for that because at the end of the day, those are the only you know options. Now, here's my thing. A lot of people don't want to vote for Biden because to them, he is nothing but somebody who's not Trump. To them, they don't know about his track record. They don't know what he necessarily stands for. And all these, you know, allegations with Tara Reid came and other allegations with like him being a uh, quote-unquote pedophile and all those things and, you know, all that fun stuff. So here's my thing. When it comes to Biden, I wanted to make a case with Biden, at least for the first, like, you know, good chunk of this podcast, like initially just talking about Biden. Because I want to prove to people who don't want to vote for Biden because they're either they're single issue voters, they care like really about Medicare for all, or they care about like, you know, like ADOS, like how I had Joffer. Um, They're single issue voters. And I also want to make a case to people who are voting third party, people who are not voting, who don't want to quote unquote choose the lesser of two evils. I don't want to make Biden the not Trump candidate. I want to present to you as Biden as an actual viable candidate. So first things I want to start off with all of the false allegations against him. You know, if you go on Twitter or if you like, you know, just check like CNN or even Fox News, actually not so much Fox News, but uh, MSNB, even Fox News, actually, you check all these outlets, you're going to constantly see there's a lot of false things coming out of Biden. You know, there's like even currently right now, there's conspiracy theories about him and his son going on, which have been like debunked. And one of those was obviously the terror read ones, which like, obviously, I am a member of the believe all women group but you when you have such overwhelming evidence you know every single person that you have worked with all the people who were witnesses you know supporting uh, you or speaking out against you to me like that's indicating something and it does not necessarily mean that Tara Reid is a liar it does not necessarily mean that uh, what Tara Reid experienced isn't true all that would signify is that, you know, that Joe Biden was innocent, that he was not involved in it. Now, of course, at the end of the day, no matter if you believe Tara Reid or if you're the person or like, you know, every woman should be questioned, no woman should have the benefit of the doubt, regardless of whatever camp you want, at the end of the day, there's no sure way to confirm the story because, at, at you know, at the end of the day, it's just a simple, um, you know, like, it's, it's just a statement. And... There have been people on both sides supporting, you know, like this whole thing came out where Tara Reed's mother or Tara Reed's brother said that like he knew about it and like that's family. And then you have Biden's co-worker saying that like 
they didn't know anything about it, but that's Biden's coworker. So it's, it's, it's a super complicated situation. And, you know, I genuinely believe in innocence or proven guilty. And, you know, there are, you know, rapists like Brock Turner who get away with these things when there's such alarming evidence against them. And, you know, they only basically go off scot-free. And to me, like our resources, like when, when you talk about believe all women, to me, those cases are what people are actually talking about. And when there's an alarming evidence and people still choose not to believe women, not necessarily in if a woman makes a statement about a presidential candidate uh, with, from what I know, uh, little to no evidence that you uh, support them. The other thing that comes about with pedophilia is with, uh, you know, Joe Biden, you know, um, inappropriately touching or some uh, things like that. To my response is that Biden's 70 plus years old. And whether you like to admit it or not, the manners and the habits were a lot back, a lot different by 19 in the 1950s and 60s than they are now. Were they right? Were they wrong? That's honestly just a perception of like what time period you were born in. To me, I do agree that what sometimes what Biden did is, you know, I would consider inappropriate. Like I wouldn't like like that. But to me, the biggest difference is your willingness to understand and change yourself. Biden did admit that, yes, you know, he was just being super friendly. He's just, you know, like, you, you know, he does have that very like old grandpa feel to him. And he, you know, he was just uh, uh, being like friendly, you know, like a nice person trying to make comfortable. Like if you see it, like there's like 10 video, 10 pictures of him. A lot of them are actually even edited of, you know, making it look like Biden's a quote unquote pedophile. There's hundreds of videos in where he, uh, you know, hugging kids normally or like, you know, like, like when you hug and, you know, take care of hundreds and thousands of your constituents over time, there's bound to be some awkward photos. That's just stupid not to think. And even I defend this in Trump's case, too, where, you know, there's been cases where there's been awkward photo, photos of him and Ivanka. And I defend him, too, in saying when you take hundreds of thousands of photos, when you're constantly in the limelight, whether you are a politician or you're a celebrity, when you're in the limelight constantly, there's bound to be photos to me that saying that is corresponding to pedophilia is about the dumbest thing anybody could ever say period but if there are actual records um you know against uh you know you know if there are if there is evidence found of pedophilia you know i remember the whole like uh trump scandal happened um with maxwell and you know all that stuff if i if there is enough sufficient evidence Obviously, in Trump's case, whether you agree with it or not, at the end of the day, there isn't enough sufficient evidence. I don't know if it's true or not. It's the same thing with the Tari situation. There, at the end of the day, there is not enough. There isn't sufficient evidence, so you can't like call somebody a pedophile. And to me, that is so important because a lot of the times in the midst of politics, you forget that these people kind of have families and friends, and like whole careers. And whether you like or hate Joe Biden or Donald Trump, you should understand that that you taking edited photos, you know, one out of a hundred and seeing a certain situation and then labeling it as pedophile, it just shows how wrong and your thinking is more than theirs. Now that's out of the way. Let's talk about Joe Biden. So Biden was the fifth youngest senator in, you know, the United States. That isn't like necessarily a feat, but it, it does show how long he's been in um, the office because right now he's running for like, if he wins, I believe he's going to be the oldest president ever in the history of United States. You could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure. So Biden is, you know, has been forever. And a lot of people like to argue that, uh, you know, Joe Biden didn't actually do much in his Senate. 
years and he doesn't really have a record and everything which is you know not true because he definitely has so um there's like some things that honestly i research and and you know, that's something i would recommend everybody to do but these are just some of the things that i researched that i somewhat like half of it i knew Biden has done the other half i was like oh that's pretty cool so um you know short, shortly after he was first elected to the senate Biden actually voted against against funding to help the south vietnamese government of its North Vietnamese communist invaders. So if you remember the Vietnamese wars, it was super, super controversial. And, you know, in hindsight, most Americans agree that sending, you know, funding the South Vietnamese and and sending our military there was the wrong choice because what we were doing is we were, uh, uh, you know, putting ourselves in foreign uh, situations and foreign um uh, relations and all we did was made it worse we made the fighting wor- worse lives were lost on both sides and it just escalated the situation and joe biden again was uh one of the people you know against the funding and the war that took place in vietnam so just one of his foreign policies that um what he did was right next thing um in the 1980s he also opposed reagan's effort to fund the contras so this is another anti-communist rebel group in Nicaragua, and he also opposed that because it w- he believed that it would lead to a similar situation as Vietnam, and it would only lead to escalating situations. I agree that in certain cases, foreign intervention is absolutely necessary, but it takes a good leader to understand when it will escalate situations and when it is actually necessary. Um, he was also a critic of Reagan's defense buildup. So if you remember, this was during, uh, you know, the Cold War period and Reagan was constantly just, you know, he was kind of like, I would say like, in, to a certain extent, one of the pioneers of like this insane military budget we have. And to me, like, even if you're right wing, you have to agree that what we spend on our military is insane. When you have people in your country, you know, struggling from uh, you know rather the uh, like lack of food or actually there's not lack of food lack of distribution of food and you know when they don't have proper health care spending that much amount of money in the military it doesn't do much especially in you know 2020 when at the end of the day all these battles and all these fights are if if, if a genuine war like a full-scale war was gonna erupt it's gonna be a nuclear war and no matter how much like you know we negotiate with countries to disarm at the end of the day it's going to be a nuclear war so all this military spending kind of to me seems like why though i agree we should always strive to have the best military but we don't have the best military we have the best military than the next like nine militaries combined or we spend more than the next nine military combined that's just unnecessary and that's an insane amount of money but going on this is one of the key points that I think, um, you know, a lot of people voting for Howie Haskins or a lot of leftists uh, would be interested in, and is that Biden was actually one of the first senators to support a climate change bill. So in 1986, um, he supported the first climate change. Uh, he supported his first climate change bill, which kind of died in the Senate. But another, the next year, he also uh, provided another legislation, which was then amended into the State Department. And President Ronald Reagan, you know, who was in the opposite party, actually went on to sign into sign it into law. And what it did was that it was a call to the president to set up a task force to plan how to mitigate global warming. Now, this is back in 
the 86. A lot of people didn't even know about global warming back in 86, you know. And Biden was one of the first senators to actually propose, sponsor, and get passed a law that would, uh, you know, um, uh, basically call on the president to set up a task force, as I said. And it, the task force would eventually work towards, you know, measuring global warming if it actually exists and, you know, like planning countermeasures to it. So as somebody, you know, if you're an environmentalist, that's, you know, like first we went on like about foreign, if you believe in like less foreign interference because it escalates situations. That was, that's, there you go. That's a point Biden has. If you're an environmentalist, you know, um, again, like I don't want to mention any of Trump's record, but if you look at just straight Biden's record, he has supported climate uh, protection. He was one of the first senators to do it. So that's another point. Um so another thing, so in the midst of the Arab oil embargo of 1973, Biden was only one of the five U.S. senators to vote against the first Alaskan pipeline bill. The pipeline has since yielded more than 15 barrels of oil. So this is another thing um, which uh, corresponds to the energy and the um, environmental um, topic because you have Biden who has been against, um, you know, uh, using like the Alaskan poip oil and even in like the recent years I believe in uh, 2006 he voted for a bill uh, uh, he voted against a bill sorry that provided exploration development and production activities for mineral resources in the Gulf of Mexico and he was against uh, you know coal mining so these this is actual his track record for what he has voted for and he's voted against where he has voted for a climate you know global climate protection act I, I believe it's called which like allowed a task force to um, learn and prepare against global warming. And he has also voted against, you know, oil pipelines and development and production ex activities for mineral resources in the Gulf of Mexico. And, you know, he has a good, really good environmental track record. Now, a lot of people argue that, um, you know, why does Biden support fracking? And he's made it clear a lot of the times that why the reason he quote unquote supports fracking is not that he thinks it's necessarily like a good way to handle uh, the it's it's like fine for the environment. What he says is that banning fracking immediately would cause a lot of jobs to uh, be lost. And that is something you have to consider, like whatever your job is. Imagine if I told you that, you know, your job would be just com like immediately taken away from you without any like backup and stuff. It's hard to do that. As a president, you have to take, you're not the citizen of the left or the right of a certain union or something. You're the president of everybody. You have to understand that you have to make sure that everybody is okay to the best of your ability. So his statement was that, yes, he supports fracking and he won't ban it immediately, but he wants to work towards expanding environmental friendly um, energy sources. So then the jobs can be shifted, fracking can be reduced in a, you know, in a more like organic and natural way rather than just boom, boom. Because, yes, those things do affect the economy. And again, like being a president is more about just being a single issue president, you know, single issue voters like you have to consider everybody else. Right. So now let's move on to his, uh, you know, um, abortion and his, um, you know, opinions on that. So Biden is a Roman Catholic and he, you know, in his personal beliefs, he does, you know, his personal beliefs tell him to vote against abortion. You know, he should be pro-life. But instead, and this is something I do admire about him, is that he puts his religious beliefs aside because they should, you know, separation of state and church. And he supports, um, you know, Roe v. Wade. Um, so 
he, you know, in a statement, he said that the best policy for a country on the question of abortion is a policy of government neutrality. Put another way, I do not believe that the government should be involved in making judgments on whether a woman can or should have an abortion or if she chooses to do so in paying for that abortion. So that's what um, Biden said. And it basically says that at the end of the day, it's your body and it's your choice. Now, if you are somebody who does consider abortion uh, murder, you have to realize that, um, you know, if you look at statistics, when in countries that abortion is banned, there is a much significantly higher rate of, you know, mothers, you know, like um, a higher mortality rate for like pregnant women. It's because they, you know, if somebody wants an abortion and they can get it in a safe way, they will go out of their way to perform, um, you know, like it in a non-safe way, which can cause, you know, further complications. And so basically what you're doing is you're kind of trading lives. Like, obviously the scale of the lives would be different. I'm sure if you consider like um, fetuses lives, you would save more lives than like the women who are seeking non um, safe ways. But to me, like a fetus, even if you consider it alive, you have to realize that a woman's life would matter more because that fetus will never know pain, will never know life. And, you know, a mother does. And a mother is an existing human being, a fully formed human being. So risking those lives to me is not, you know, you can't equate those things. And moreover, like, again, like, I don't even think that fetuses, you know, and most biologists agree with me, most doctors, most scientists agree with me that, you know, um, if you're talking about life, the actual definition of life, that even something as small as a cell would be alive. So that means like, you can't ever do because like, even when you like work out, you like sometimes destroy muscle cells. So technically, yes, you're destroying life. So if you're looking at like the exact scientific dis- uh, definition, every single cell is life and is human life. And that is, you know, you can obviously operate it. Humans can't operate like that with that thinking. But if we're talking about, you know, when a new life is conceived with the possibility of bringing another person and stuff. Yes, to me, like, it matters about if you, if a life can be independent, right? So if you're a fetus and you're taken away from your mother, you can't survive on your own and be independent. To me, that's not life. But if you are like, uh, you know, in your third trimester and close uh to being born you can take it away and you can be taken away and still survive right so to me like it starts to become life not necessarily when it comes out of uh when you know um the delivery actually happens but like a month or two beforehand to me that's what constitutes as life so abortion you know in the especially in the first trimester trimesters to me should be uh, a thing and even if you are like a devout Christian, you're like a Roman Catholic like Biden, you should also understand that it is imperative. And I say that to like literally everybody I know, that separation of state and church is so, 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 so important. You know, we criticize all these Islamic countries uh, in the Middle East for mixing the two, and then we choose to do the same thing. Like that should not be a thing. What you believe in your religion should not interfere. If you believe in your religion, gay, uh, you know, uh, gay marriage should not be allowed. That is your religion. You know, I'm, I'm a Muslim, so my religion also falls under that. But I will never impose my religion on somebody not willing. If somebody is um, an LGBTQ member and they wish to marry another person, they don't follow my religion. They can do whatever they want. It is their choice. It is their own lives. It is their decision. And it is important to keep those things separate.
but let's continue on because we have a lot. In 1997, Biden voted against the continuance of policy stipulating that federal health insurance plans would not pay for abortions except in cases where the woman's life was in danger. So Biden voted against that. In 2004, Biden voted against a bill that attached criminal penalties to killing or injuring of a fetus. In July 2006, he voted against parental notification laws and against punishing those who would transport minors across state lines to get abortion. So he voted against all these things that were trying to limit or prevent abortions. Um, so let's keep it moving. Um, let's talk about Biden's gun policy. So this is one of the differing factors that a lot of leftists would actually, if you know, look up the track record, would say Biden is a better candidate than senators when it comes to a gun policies because Biden has been against the NRA from you know the very beginning of his tenure whereas sanders record on gun control has always been very shaky i'm not sure why though because i know sanders doesn't take uh um pack money and he's like a very grassroots uh um candidate which i genuinely respect but um i guess that's some of that's just his personal views but regardless uh baden has received an f from the nra so if you're somebody who you know wants more gun control um you know biden would be the candidate um, in 2006, uh, actually, before I move on, there's another thing is that um, a lot of uh, people on the right side argue that uh, they don't want to vote for Biden or some of the centers because they take their guns away. But Biden has repeatedly said, and as we get more into some of his later laws, he has repeatedly said that he does not plan to take anybody's guns away. All he wants is like more background checks, which if you just sit down and take like five seconds to think about it, why is that not a thing already? Like, why should anybody be able to go and get a gun? You realize anybody that could be somebody who just, you know, like, you know, got out of prison who was like um, in for like, you know, like a serial killer or anything or like, you know, somebody who is not mentally stable. And these people in a lot of the, uh, you know, Republican states can go out and just get a gun. And why is that a thing? Like, it should be. And, you know, we're not taking, you know, I'm not coming into your ass and taking your gun away. If you're like a sane person, if you are mentally fit, if you, you know, you don't have a sus like crime record, you are allowed to have a gun. You're allowed to go purchase, do a background check and then get your gun. Nobody's taking guns away from you. And to me, that's such like a weird thing. It's because there's so much misinformation in the uh you know in both sides that like people think that biden actually wants to come in your house is going to send the national guard in your house and take your guns away which is absolutely not true he will initiate a buyback program which like you know if you own an assault rifle you can give your assault rifle and get some you know like the money back so make sure you don't lose any money and that's it like that's all he's doing but why are you so obsessed with you know like you know, like guns and stuff that like your guns are not being taken away. If that's your hobby, you'll still have that hobby. It just makes sure that you and people around you are safe. So your kids can be safe. So your children can be safe. So your schools can be safe. You know, if like, you know, you think that guns lead more security and more guns lead to more guns lead to more security. If that's what your belief is, then yes, you can still have trained professionals. You know, if you believe that in schools with guns, but by allowing these extra background checks, you'll make sure that nobody who's not mentally sane or somebody who's underage, like, you know, kids who are not going through the best time of their lives, they can get access to the guns and put your kids in danger. This is such a simple topic. Like some of these topics, like I agree that there can be like an argument back and forth. But the other things I'm just like, huh? Like, I'm not trying to be biased here, but like, is this even like, why is this even being considered? You know, abortion, I understand, you know, you have your religion and everything, but 
things like this, like when you're gaining something without losing anything, it's very, very confusing to me why you would not be for that. But again, like I am always open to hear more viewpoints and hopefully next week or the following week, I'll have a Republican and I would love to have a genuine conversation with them. So continuing on, in 2006, he voted in favor of erecting a fence on the U.S.-Mexico border war, but later explained that it was for anti-drug trafficking, not aimed at curbing legal immigration. So that's also another point is that Biden, like, you know, this whole thing about like, if a Democrat is elected, all these illegal aliens and all these like drugs and uh, murderers are going to come in from Mexico, which is simply not true. You know, most Democrats do believe in some kind of like, you know, like a fence, not necessarily a wall that Mexico is going to pay for. But, you know, they do believe in some kind of fence, some kind of like border control and stuff. They just believe in like maybe like a faster process or a more wide process where you like, you know, understand and listen to um, the cases a little bit faster. Things get going. But no one just wants a complete unrestricted illegal immigration, you know. Um, in March 1983, Biden voted for a $40 billion increase in social security taxes. Now, this is interesting because... Um, a lot of people, I've seen this argument, and this is from like Trump and, you know, other people, uh, other Republicans that Biden wants to take away your social security taxes, but in his track record, he has voted for a $40 billion increase in social security taxes. So this is just a straight up lie. Now, Biden in um, certain situations has gone back and forth because depending on the economy, depending on the budget, you do have to adjust your taxes. But at the end of the day, if you look at the net record, Biden has always you know, supported higher social security taxes to make sure social security stays sustainable, you know, especially after this uh, baby boomer era, where there's been so many uh, older folks in America, you know, it has really depleted our social security. So he would, yes, uh, make sure that like he can support that. And this is another one of those cases where I'm like, just, I don't know, like research, I guess, like these, these are topics. And, you know, regardless, you know, I'm going to get to other topics too, but each of these individual topics can be single issue topics. And, you know, you might not, you know, you might waver. If you look at one thing and you focus on that, you know, to me, like even then Biden should be a candidate that you vote for, especially if you're a progressive leftist and stuff. But even let's say if you're uh, against abortion, if you're pro-life, that's your single issue that you do not agree with Biden for. But if you look at all the rest of the arguments, those are arguments that you like you know, you would want more security and more background checks to make sure your kids are safe. You would want, you know, uh, more social security. I think social security in general is like um, a, a program that's liked by many. Uh, you know, you would want that, oh, fracking isn't immediately banned because so jobs aren't lost. Uh, these are things that this is something that a lot of like people across the aisle would want. So to me, settling for Biden, you know, this is where I'm, I, I start to think like, what what like settling i'm so confused but let's continue right so in june 1986 biden supported democrat senator george mitchell's effort to raise the top income tax rate to 35 percent um so this is also key because um right now i think the corporate tax rate is 21 percent, and the top income tax rate is also like very low and it's important because a lot of, you know, I'll, if you look at the Republican base or the right wing base, a lot of it is, you know, people who don't have college education, who are not earning a lot. And to me, it's really weird seeing them support a candidate who wants to lower taxes on the top because when, you know, trickle down economics doesn't work. The countless theories and countless like ex like genuine experiments in real life have shown that it does not work. 
all you do is that when you take away you know increased taxes from the top income earners or the cor- or corporations and stuff all you do is just increase your deficit like um i believe i saw this um article where it said that trump reducing these taxes uh created a 450 billion dollar budget deficit and you realize if you don't do that because again these people are comfortable they're living in rich homes you know these billionaires or these top income earners they are very comfortable people and if you take the money away from them they'll still be comfortable but what you could do is you could distribute in social welfare programs to you know uh, minorities whether it be african americans or daca kids and you can increase them to make sure that you know every american has an equal opportunity and to me that is you know very important but again this is another one of those topics where it's like unless you're earning you know a high income why would you not support it because you know trickle down economics don't work you know that like giving corporation tax cuts doesn't really do a thing but let's continue right so um in 1990 president uh, biden opposed president bush's decision to forcibly drive saddam hussein's army out of kuwait so if you know about the whole situation in iraq saddam hussein was a dictator and he was very very horrible to a certain group of its people but he was a secularist and when he was I I 100% agree that he's someone that should have been removed from power. But when he was removed from power in in a way that George Bush did, that left a powerful vacuum and that gave rise to all these Islamic extremist groups. And you know, Biden opposed that. And so again, this is like going back to his like uh anti-war opinions when it came to Vietnam and uh, during that time period uh, during the Reagan administration that, you know, Foreign intervention is necessary in some situations, but it it's supposed to be done very, very carefully. And this is something that I give, you know, Trump uh, a hats off to because I think he like handled foreign, uh, handled um, international relations, especially when it comes to Israel pretty well. You know, I personally am pro-Palestine. I do believe there's been atrocities committed by Israel and Palestine, but that doesn't mean that Israel's, uh, you know, relationships with uh um arab countries that are getting better isn't good for the middle east in general i think that's great so that's something that biden also does is that he understands like foreign policies and diplomacy um continue on biden is a defender of affirmative action and the equal rights amendment um for me i'm an indian so affirmative action like in most cases works against me and i still support it because i think it is absolutely necessary and i think there should be more things like affirmative action because you know, I hear this argument a lot is that, oh, slavery was so long ago. Uh, nobody at this point was a slave. Nobody who's currently living was a slave. You know, um, everybody should be equal. That's what, you know, equality is truly about. And that's not true, right? Because for generations, like, you know, Americans who've been living in America, this is not counting, you know, people who have recently migrated from Africa or recently migrated from the Caribbean. People who've been living in America, right? They've been here for generations. And generational wealth, like that's an actual thing. And for generations, they're the wealth of African-Americans were taken away from them and given to white Americans, which caused their children and then their children and then their children to continue accumulating a lot of wealth with minimal work. So even in today, and again, like slavery wasn't that long ago, like Jim Crow wasn't long ago. The civil rights movement wasn't long ago. People who were alive at the civil rights movement are, some of them are still, a lot of them are actually are still alive today. 
So saying that is just, you know, like at the end of the day, just ignorant. But all these African-Americans, like you're taking money away from them over generations and over generations. You're giving them to white Americans and then you're policing them because, you know, because they started off at such, you know, like if you look at like even 10 years ago, their generational wealth is significantly lower than white Americans. And then they form these, you know, uh, minority neighborhoods where crime is rampant because they just don't have the, you know, they don't get the necessarily funding because they don't have that generational wealth. They don't have the money. So they can't, you know, fund the schools and they can't fund the housing. And then they, you have these like high crime neighborhoods, which lead to, you know, higher policing of those neighborhoods, which then leads to more African-Americans being arrested, not necessarily because they do more crimes, but because of their situations that, uh, or there, uh, you know, you know, there is nothing that links being African American to doing more crime, but being raised in neighborhoods where you know, like your wealth has been taken away from you in generations, and you need to make things work. And not only that, but being policed way, way, way more. You know, like I know so many, you know, rich white kids that do the same things, like whether it's like um, smoke marijuana or other things, and they don't have to live in fear because they're not policed, they're not questioned. And you're policing these African-American communities more and more and more. And what it does is that it puts the young African-American men in prison for years, taking away a lot of African-American families' only source of income. And it just perpetuates this loss of generational wealth. It is, you know, it is something that a lot of, you know, uh, I think like Cuban-Americans, a lot of Asian-Americans, they don't really understand because they haven't been in America for too long. But if it's something that you genuinely research, it's so disheartening. And it is something that people should realize that it's America's not some this amazing place that all of a sudden, you know, 80 years ago, we were still fighting for African-Americans' right to go to the same school as white American in 80 years, in 80 years all of a sudden, hey, you know, we're, we're good. We're like, you know, we're chilling. Like, everything's completely fine. You know, not, not, nothing happened. Everybody's equal now. That kind of thinking is not only naive, it's just stupid. And it's ignorant. And I don't even think that people believe that thinking. I think people choose to believe it, not because, you know, they think it's right, but it because it benefits them. And to me, like, that is this, you know, difference is that you have to be, you know, more conscious of what's going on because you can never truly call America great when a significant portion of the country and the people who build this country are far from, you know, having the same opportunities to be great. You cannot, you just can't do that. So make America great again. I think that statement should start with trying to build that generational wealth and give back to the African-American community that built America. That's, that's how you make America great. And, you know, going back to Biden, he has supported uh, affirmative action. He has supported Black Lives Matter. So to me, that is a very, very crucial point. If you're a single issue voter, and if you think that uh, Joe Biden, you know, doesn't do much for the African-American community or Obama doesn't do for the African-American community, the least they do, the very, very least they do is they bring attention and they support the causes that yes there are issues you know it's much better than uh you know a president who denies these issues and who's against blm and if you know first of all i am super super against being a single issue voter no matter how like affected you are because that's a very very like tunnel vision but even if you're a single issue voter any difference is a difference. And between Biden and Trump, regardless of who you support, whether you think these issues exist or not, you should realize there's a significant difference between the two candidates.
very, very significant difference between the two candidates. So let's continue going. Uh, let's continue. Uh, Biden's response to November 2006 uh, U.S. Air Base involving six Islamic imams. So basically what happened was that there were these six imams that were um, in March 2007 that were profiled and taken off the plane because some of the passengers and crew members uh, were suspicious of their behavior. Now, by suspicious, they mean, you know, they were just they look like imams. They look like Islamic leaders. Later, we found out that those Islamic leaders were just that. They were not terrorists. They weren't carrying anything. They didn't have any plans. And they decided to file a lawsuit. The Council on American Islamic Relations has decided to file a lawsuit. Two Republican congressmen, Peter King and Stephen Pierce, now they uh, tried to get an amendment going seeking to create legal immunity for citizens who report suspicious behavior in good faith. So this is, you know, one of the many cases that kind of spreads in all minorities, you know, from African-Americans to even Muslims about profiling is that I can profile you. I can get you kicked out of your flight. I can get you taken into a police car for investigation. I can get you stopped in the middle of your, you know, your daily activities. Hey, I'm having a barbecue with some of my friends, all because I, I think you're suspicious. And that gives me legal immunity. All that does is just protect races because, yes, I agree that like if you do report somebody for you know being suspicious you need to have good evidence you need to have a, you know um uh an evidence that like oh yeah there is something wrong with that person like maybe they're carrying like you know a gun or something or you've heard over them or something there needs to be something more than just i have a hunch because you know let's 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 take it to like how cprs work right if i see somebody you know on the ground who's getting like tremors and whose breathing is not, um, you know, consistent. I know he's, they may be going through a heart attack. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get on the ground and I'm going to give them CPR. But if I see somebody, you know, just on the bench going to sleep, you know, nothing is happening to them, no suspicious. And I just start giving them CPR. It breaks their ribs, maybe genuinely gives them a heart attack, maybe kills that person. And then I say, you know what? I, it was just a hunch. It was just, you know, I was just suspicious. I was just trying to make sure so I think I deserve legal immunity. You realize how ridiculous that sounds, right? Unless you see a very, very clear evidence that you know you can prove to, you know, the police officer. And, you know, at that point, you know, you're actually keeping safe. Like, let's say if he had a gun and you were genuinely suspicious and you report that the gun, if the officers find out was a legal gun, so there's no issue. That I understand. But if the person has no gun, you should not be granted legal immunity because then it allows racists, it's allowed these, like, um, detached from reality people you know a lot of these racist privileged people to basically point out a muslim or point out an african-american be like i'm suspicious of them for like some random thing when in reality the only thing they're suspicious of is their skin color is their clothing is their religious beliefs and biden voted against that continuing on um uh so ray uh in on july 2020 on July 22, 1986, Reagan gave a speech about where he did not want to impose sanctions on South Africa uh, due to apartheid. Obviously, Biden was against that. Um, also, Biden voted to criminalize, uh, voted, voted to authorize critical uh, funding for medication to prolong life with AIDS. This is something he's championed a lot where he, um, you know, even in the current election, he stated that he wants to eliminate um 
AIDS and HIV by 2025. I don't know if that's uh, possible or not, but this is something, you know, another thing that he has worked towards. Uh, moreover, um, Biden was also, Biden and Barack Obama was also the authors of the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Hate Crimes Prevention Act. Now, what these, uh, Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. were actually murdered um, due to, um, you know, the reasons being like, Gen- their gender identity and their sexual orientation and what this hate crimes prevention act does is that it uh, expands the 1969 u.s federal hate crime law to include uh, crimes motivated by victims actual or perceived gender uh, sexual orientation gender identity and even disabilities so it makes sure that if you know um there's crimes against um gay men for the fact that they were gay men for you know, LGBTQ people for the fact they were LGBTQ people that they be correctly um, categorized as hate crime. Um, so, you know, Biden has always championed um, as a, a proponent of LGBTQ rights. Um, and again, I don't want to get into like um, Trump's um, track record until later, but we'll come back to this as well. So, you know, if you're an LGBTQ person, again, like if you're a single issue voter, there you go. But this is, you know, for single issue what about the many many other things that again biden is a candidate that you would want you should still realize that these things actively affect people like it's so important to understand that these things actively like these laws these laws affect people these laws could potentially save somebody could potentially grant the mother of you know a dying child the correct compensation even though there's there'll never be a correct compensation for losing a child but these things are important and you know, not voting just because, you know, single issues. It's just, you know, this is why I say, like, to me, I, 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 it's tough for me to understand. But let's continue on. One of Biden's biggest acts that he sponsored, the Violence Against Women Act, um, there's nothing more to it. I think, like, if you're a woman, you have a person who has historically, you know, the original bill, I believe, was passed in 1940, 1994, I believe, that he has historically um supported uh you know women's rights and you know the act specifically you know supported comprehensive cost-effective responses to uh domestic violence sexual assault dating violence and stalking you know um situations where women often find themselves in um and it created responses for that and this is so crucial because uh, this act was one of the you know first you know act of this like changing nature of women's rights that you know women are you know deserve like the same wages everybody this was like kind of like the founding principle of it and you know if you're a woman voting for somebody who knows will fight for you is so important because again if you're a single issue voter if you're a woman you should genuinely care about this you know if you want what's best for women's rights you should have a person in office that has championed women's rights a lot of people try to discredit this you know huge act this is one of the i would consider one of the biggest acts in u.s history by saying like, oh, he had a sexual assault allegation by Tara Reid. Again, there is a reason that that allegation completely died out and fizzled out. It's because if you look for it, there was just simply not sufficient information. And if you do consider, well, I believe every single woman completely, period, they don't even need evidence. Just take a second to think like, what if it was my brother? And what if it was my father? Would I still believe it? If you find yourself questioning that I'm not sure if I believe it or not, then think about like, you know, that same situation on somebody else. 
And if you find yourself saying, hey, yeah, I would completely 100% uh believe you know if it was against my father if it was against my brother and i would make sure they're in jail for years then trust me when i say this you're most likely lying to yourself you need complete evidence you know even some like shiver of evidence um but continuing on um so as i mentioned biden has always against been nra in 1993 um shepherded through the congress the brandy handgun violence violence prevention act which established background check system that kept more than 3 million firearms out of dangerous hands. In 1994, Biden, along with another senator, secured the passage of 10-year bans on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Magazines. So he has already proposed, sponsored, and passed two laws against, you know, directly challenging the NRA, and he has won both times. So if it's if you're somebody who wants, you know, not to take your being guns taken away like a lot of right-wing supporters but you also want you know more background checks and safety for your school like biden is a clear choice if you're a single issue voter about that again like in most situations i would say biden is a clear choice going back to affordable care act now this is like a major contention for a lot of leftist supporters bernie supporters because they want medicare for all uh to me personally i don't think medicare for all is viable just because the differences in states economies and you know like how would you tax like because healthcare in a state is completely different healthcare from another you know it's the the difference in prices is so different but they would be taxed to be the same and there are obviously some other issues about like yes the quality of healthcare can potentially go down yes it would like decrease competition that arises from insurance companies which by no means they're good people insurance companies are in good people obviously but there are obviously a lot of issues and i just don't think it's possible in such a large-scale nation like us you know like we compare it to other european nations but those a lot of those european nations are like the size of texas or like a lot smaller than texas so it's very different when you're trying to enact it on 50 states with very different populations and econo- economy and everything and to me affordable care act i think is the next best thing i think allowing people a public option to provide you know coverage for pre-existing conditions which i think right now it's uh, it covers over 100 people um and also allowing private uh, insurances to also be an option so you know whether if you're a republican and you want you know private options right it's a it's simple you have you still have the private option you still have uh, agencies and competitive agencies that you can go get insurance from and you know you can do your thing if you're a liberal and you believe that oh that it should be provided by the government and there should be like a public option. And there you go. I think like, that's why what makes Biden such a great candidate when it comes to like gun rights and all these things is that he is such, such a good candidate when it comes to finding a mandate between the divided country, finding like a middle ground. Um, You know, it's something that you can die on the hill trying to support your rights to absolute max, in which case like good for you, or you can like find a compromise and genuinely try to unite the country in a way where it will benefit like everybody and everybody will get their way. And, you know, at the end of the day, potentially lead to even a better plan. Now, I know a lot of Bernie supporters are single issue voters uh, when it comes to Medicare for all, but, you know, I have mentioned like about 30 different issues that I think you can consider. But even if you just want to focus on Medicare for all, I think this is enough of a distinction between the two candidates that you can comfortably vote for Biden. But as I said, again, a million other issues like being the single issue voter in such such a crucial election it, to me like 
it definitely doesn't constitute as being right. Um, going on. So now let's, I'm going to switch. So I think I have established, you know, I mentioned laws about, um, you know, abortion laws. I've mentioned LGBTQ rights, affirmative action and his support for uh, BLM. And even like more like centrist policies, such as his policies on gun control, his policies on environment and his policies on um, healthcare, which I think can genuinely looks for the middle ground and to, you know, kind of divide the men. And I think this is why to me, Biden is the best candidate. And I, I think I mentioned Trump a couple of times here and there, but this is why I think Biden's a good candidate, regardless of who he's facing. I think this is what makes him one of like, the best candidates of presidents we've ever had and you know these are the reasons where a lot of people say i'm settling for biden oh he's not donald trump that's the only good thing about him i just listed you i don't even know i lost count track but it was like 20 30 different policies different uh you know uh things he his voting record his track record of things he supported um that should be more than enough to vote for you if you're a single issue voter i tackled you know a lot of single issue voter areas such as Medicare for all or affirmative action, Black Lives Matter. But if you're like somebody who's looking for a bunch of issues, like Biden is by far the best candidate. But while I think Biden is a really, really great candidate, regardless, I do think his opponent being Donald Trump also helps his case because, you know, and this is where I disagree with some of the Trump supporters. Now, me being a centrist, I kind of fall somewhere between somebody who supports Bernie Sanders and somebody who supports Mitt Romney, which kind of lies on you know joe biden where he can work with people from the left side of the aisle with aoc and bernie sanders he can also work with people like mitt romney john kizik which is and you know even um uh senator john mccain rip um he like he can work with those people as that and kind of create in the middle what donald trump to me is is he's somebody who fars a lot further right from the republicans i just mentioned so to me he's a he's a very right-wing extreme um you know, president. And this is key to understand because to me, like if you look at a spectrum, a lot of people think that, you know, Mitt Romney and John Kasich are the centrist or they're slightly to the right, then Trump's to the like mid right, then Joe Biden's left and then Bernie Sanders mid left. That's not necessarily true. If you look at the general spectrum across other countries in uh, the world and kind of compare it and see how America is technically a very shifted to the right country, you know, we're a very capitalist heavy country. You kind of realize that Joe Biden would be a centrist. Sanders would be like slight to midlife left, not like an extremist left or a socialist or a communist, what a lot of people say. Because at the end of the day, if you look at research, if you look at history, you know what a communist is. Sanders isn't that. So he's not an extreme leftist. And if you like switch, shift the scale, you know, all the way to the right, you start to realize that Trump is actually closer to being an extreme right wing person than Sanders is to an extreme left wing. And extremes of both sides is wrong. Um, I don't think any person would disagree with that, but or some people would, but most people wouldn't disagree with that. But Trump is definitely closer to being like a quote unquote fascist dis- dictator than Sanders is to being a communist dictator. Biden is somebody I would consider in the center. He is, uh, you know, he he does supports a lot of left-wing policies, a lot of right-wing policies and tries to mend that, which is, again, why I think he's the best candidate across the board. And then you have people like Kasich, Romney, who are, I would consider, like, um, uh, you know, right-wing, but not, like, extreme right-wing like Donald Trump. I wouldn't consider them slightly right-wing either. I think they're, like, mid-right-wing. So that's, like, kind of the spectrum I would define it. So 
that's why I think like Donald Trump would just further divide the country because he he will never be liked by people. He will never like be a compromising president. He can never mend the divide. You know, you can't make America great again by only having the minority. And yes, it is a minority because popular vote majority supports Democratic Party. And even if Trump wins tomorrow, I think most people would agree that, you know, like I like he, if Trump wins tomorrow, I can guarantee it right now. And, you know, maybe he'll come back to buy me in the future, but I can guarantee it he lost the popular vote. But regardless, um, you know, you can't make America great again by only gaining the support of a minority of a country. You just can't do that, man. So that's why, you know, that's one of the reasons I think Trump is just across the board. And I keep saying across the board because I think left and right, he's not the best candidate. And I think right-wingers would actually find more solidarity and more, like, comfort for their policies in somebody like Biden because... Trump is genuinely like borderline extremist, you know, uh, fascist, like things like fire Fauci. I don't believe in science, uh, extremely militarizing, giving corporations like ridiculous tax cuts, you know, militarizing all these things and lying, bro. That man lies so much. Dog. Like even if you're a Trump supporter and, you know, Biden lies too. Everybody lies, you know, politicians lie, people lie, human beings lie, I lie, you lie. But you cannot tell me with a straight face that Trump isn't one of the biggest liars or the biggest exaggerating people that you've ever seen. Like, holy cows, man. That's just insane. But, uh, you know, Trump wants to reveal, uh, like, going on his track record, some of the things he's done. You know, I'm kind of short on time, so I'll keep it, like, quick. One of the things Trump has done, he wants to reveal Obamacare. He says that he wants to still protect pre-existing conditions. And what is his plan? Well, in the past four years, he has stated multiple times throughout them that he has a plan that's coming in the next month or two. It's 2020. It's been four years. There's been no health plan offered by Donald Trump. Same goes for his taxes. It's been four years. And for some reason, he keeps saying that he's, you know, his audits need taxes and everything, which is, you know, people have confirmed, people who work for that industry have confirmed that that is not a real thing. Like if you're being audited, you can still reveal your taxes. Four years. He promised 2016 that he would do it right after he wins the election. It's been four years. Like, hold Trump to the same standard. And I ask this on everybody on all sides of the aisle. Hold him to the same standard you would hold any other president. Imagine Obama did this. Like, Obama got roasted. And, you know, he wasn't the best president. Obama, I do agree with a lot of, I do disagree with a lot of things he did. But Obama got roasted for wearing a tan suit. And then Trump isn't get roasted for making fake promises on stuff like medic stuff like healthcare and you know um his tax returns which he's been hiding for four years even though he said he would release it like in 2016 like to is that not like something that worries people because regardless of who you support you know i i'm like if i support biden like i want his track record to be out there i want to i want people to see his tax returns i want people to see his like every single thing he has done because i think he is a good candidate and I, he's definitely, like, obviously had some ups and downs. Everybody does. But I genuinely want people to see his story about, like, how he's lost his wife. Because I think that's what makes him as a person. There's nothing... I, w- I want Biden to be, you know, completely see-through. I don't want any of his part to be hidden. Because I think every single part of him helps him. So why isn't Trump like that? Why is Trump at a different standard that he can constantly hide things, delay things, and, you know, not propose actual plans, and he still gets a pass because it's Trump. That's not the standard you, you that's a standard you have for a reality TV show host. You don't have that for the president of the United States. Again, regardless of whatever aisle you're from. Another thing was that, you know, Trump championing about, like, oh, his Muslim ban, and about how he's, like, 
reduced uh, all these terrorist attacks. So this is data from January to August 2020, right? So... The jihadist attacks in America during that time, less than five, or like the number of attacks that were like plotted. The jihadist has been four. All the others combined have been four. The far left, you know, which includes Antifa, the violent far left, it's been about 13 attacks since from January to August 2020. The violent far right, this includes all the white supremacy groups, all the far extremists, all these proud boys, all these fun people, has been 41. It's effectively double than the rest of the attacks, including violent far left, jihadi, and every other attack combined. Double. You can't champion somebody who's protecting, you know, terrorism, protecting America from terrorism, and then also allow, you know, domestic terrorists to rise at such a case. Now, I'm not saying he's, you know, a white supremacist. I'm not saying he supports white supremacy and anything. I think those claims are a little ridiculous. He might, like, you know, when he is a little hesitant on saying on like saying that he doesn't support white supremacy it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, he supports white supremacy it actually i would say it means more that he understands that some of his base and you know whether you're right wing or left wing you have to agree because it's statistically true a, a fair chunk of his base are white supremacists are prod boys members or all these people and saying in denouncing them will cause him to lose votes i think he's just playing politics what, is it right politics? Is it morally correct? I just I don't think so. But you know, it's politics. People do that. Everybody does that. Every politician does that. Um, but anyway, so claiming to like protect the country from terrorism, yeah. But he, no, you're all he does is that he gives voice to, you know, terrorists. And you know, again, going back to single issue, what if you're somebody, you know, like I had somebody, uh, I had Joffer. If you're somebody like that, who are you're so focused on, like, um, you know, making sure the African-American community gets better, which I agree, I understand that's an important topic. You have to understand that by taking a vote away from Democratic base and leaving it up to complete chance or, or others to, you know, if Donald Trump comes, it's not like, oh, nothing's going to change. If Biden comes, there is a chance nothing's going to change. But most likely it is going to get better. Not maybe in the margin people think, but it is going to get better. But even if you say like Biden won't change anything, what Trump would do is make things a lot worse by increasing, by giving more power and a voice to these right-wing extremists. And again, even if you're a Republican, right? If you're a Romney-type Republican, if you're like a, not like an extremist right-wing, you're just a normal Republican, you support Donald Trump, you still have to agree that voting for Trump gives a voice to those white supremacists. This is something that's so important because people need to realize that these aren't, you know, theories or this is genuine statistics white supremacy groups kkk all these people they support trump even the taliban supports trump and you are giving them a voice by you know voting for now it's not his fault that they're supporting him but they are and if you genuinely if you're a single issue voter caring about race relations you need to understand that you're allowing white supremacists to have a voice and then if down the line they get a higher voice and then they start becoming violent to your community you will look back, hey, maybe my vote or maybe, you know, my vote could have made the difference. But that's just what I believe. Going back to his taxes. Um, so Vice President Biden obviously stated that he wanted to tax over $400,000. And this is another interesting thing. So Trump, as I said, decreased the tax percentage to 20, the corporate tax at 21%, creating a $450 billion budget deficit. That hurts people who rely on a lot of secure social security will rely on free education. You know, the uneducated uh, part of America, the uh, lower income part of America. 
and he has so many uneducated and lower-income people support him. That's wild to me. On the other hand, all these people think that like, oh, Biden's going to really increase his taxes to 62%, which is honestly the funniest thing and the most uneducated thing I've ever heard. Like, that is beyond, beyond ignorant. Because like, I like to like, I like to stay as non-biased and try to hear both sides. But like, just do your research, man. I'm not trying to ar- ar- like tell you about things you can easily find online. I'm trying to argue on like dilemmas, you know, moral, ethical dilemmas. That's what I like. But this is something is so wild to me because Biden has repeatedly stated He's going to keep Trump's tax cuts that he has on middle class and stuff. He won't raise the taxes on that. You, you know, you're earning uh, 80K a, a year. You're not getting a tax increase. But if you are earning more than 400K, it means you're living very, very, very comfortably. Very comfortably. Then you will get to see that increase in tax. And then you will have to pay a higher uh, income tax rate. Also, another people don't understand is that, let's say if there is like, again, this is not actual numbers, but let's say if there is a, 20% tax rates or for, uh, on 400,000 or higher income. Up till when you're earning 400,000, your income is going to be taxed like whatever the 0 to 400,000 rate is. And then from 400 to 450,000 is when you're going to be taxed the 20% rate. Right? So it doesn't necessarily mean that oh if I'm only earning 50,000 more than 400,000 and somebody who's earning 399,000 that oh there's going to be like I have to pay like way more taxes than him. No. It's just that the income you earn after 400000 will be taxed differently. And a lot of people don't understand how tax system works. And I get that. It is a little confusing. It is very confusing. But just think about, like, rewind, think about what I said, and then go research it on your own. And you'll see that it's not that everybody who's earning, you know, 400000 is getting taxed, like, 20% across the board. It's that after that, they'll be start getting that. You know, after you've earned enough money to live comfortably, all that excess money you're earning you know, that ridiculously high money you're earning, whether it's by like, um, you know, just sitting in uh, like being a corporation manager, earning billions of dollars, you know, overnight, like that's the money that will be taxed higher. So other uh, people in America have the opportunity. So unless you're a billionaire, you're earning 500, 600, 700, even if you're earning 401 or 2K, it shouldn't affect you really. But unless you're earning like, like close to millions of dollars or super, super rich, this does not hurt you, this benefits you. So if, if you're a college student, you know, minimum wage job, relying on like financial aid, if you're, you know, a, not a rich person, it's very, very weird to me for supporting a candidate that's just going to hurt you, that's going to like increase the budget deficit so you're not able to pay. But again, that's just what I believe. Um, so... Some other things is that, you know, again, like he lowered the corporate tax rate to 35 to 21%. I think Biden wants to increase it to 28%. Um, it's just, to me, that's, you know, um, it's just like, I don't understand why unless you're like a corporation, unless you're like Jeff Bezos or somebody in that, you know, income bracket, why you would mind that. But I guess, you know, I think people still believe in trickle-down economics, which is really interesting. But the last thing I wanted to touch on is, you know, again, going back to single issue voters. And I think the biggest single issue voter is supporters of ADOS and uh, BLM who don't think Biden is the best president for African-Americans. And he has definitely said some genuinely stupid stuff, including like, oh, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Uh, no, that, that's just wrong. Like, and I think like regardless if you're a Trump or a Biden supporter, you have to admit when your candidate is wrong. He was wrong for that. Um but 
in terms of policies, I wanted to touch on something that I hear a lot of Trump supporters saying. This is this de- like significantly decreased uh, unemployment rate, right? So let's compare it to Obama's presidency, all right? So I'm going to go to um, January 2013. So when if you're, like, elected in 2012, you kind of start taking stuff into January 20, uh, the next year's January around there sometime, right? So in January 2013, the unemployment rate was 13.3%, right? At the end of Obama's first term, so let's go to January 2017, it was 8 point 7.2%. So January 2017 7.2 and then you have um January 2013 which was 13.3. So you can see that it was dropped by about 5-6 percentage points, yeah. About there. So now let's go from uh, you know, this was oh sorry, not first but this was his second term, right? This was Obama's second term. So it was dropped about uh seven per uh, five six percentage points so then in january 2017 it was as i said 7.2 and obviously i don't want to do it until now because covid happened but right before covid so let's go to um december 2019 5.8 right so that's a difference of 7.2 minus 5.8 you could do the math like i would say 1.4 right and that's how much the unemployment drop under Trump. So now, assuming the trend followed, he would be closer to around 5.0, 5.1, 5.2 by the end of its term if COVID didn't happen, which that's another thing. That's the final thing I want to touch on. But that's what it came to, right? So in Obama's administration, black unemployment dropped five percentage points. And it's a trend that continued in Trump, albeit it actually slowed down and only dropped like a couple of percentage points. So this whole argument about the lowest black unemployment rate under Trump, it's wrong. It's and and you know this is something I always am curious and I always ask this right. I had somebody who say who mentioned this and I explained it to them and he was like, "Well, yeah, Trump's enacted policies to make that happen. You know, it's not just a trend." And I was like, "What policies?" And I and I ask if you are a Trump supporter, I'm genuinely curious, and you can always hit me up. What policies did Trump enact? He did it. This is not something that should be attributed to a policy that Trump enacted because he didn't enact any policies that caused this unemployment drop rate. This should be attributed to African-Americans, you know, genuinely, like, slowly, you know, albeit uh, with not the support from the government, so it, it's a little slower, but they are starting to gain more wealth and starting uh, to, you know, like, as all these, like, um, race relations and stuff are coming into light, uh, more cases are being like understood as like unfair to African Americans, so less uh, men have to go to jail. So this uh, situations are slightly getting better, and moreover than that, this should be attributed to the African American community, you know, working hard to make sure their community is better. This shouldn't be attributed to some president who hasn't done a single thing for this community except say that oh they're thugs or they're looters or they're gangsters, well knowing that BLM is by far majority black people. It should not be. It's it's unfair to African Americans. So this is like a key point I hear in a lot of like black conservatism. That's all, that's all I have to say to it. It's wrong. It's it's a trend that's continued on, and you can't give me a single a singular law that Trump passed that benefited African Americans, or that resulted in this unemployment drop.
it was just a continuation of Biden. If anything, of Obama's administration, if anything, it slowed down the trend, which is expected. Obviously, it's like a, it's a concavity. It's expected for it to slow down. But if you genuinely want to, like, you know, compare wrong arguments, and yeah, it slowed down the trend. And final thing I wanted to touch on was, you know, the COVID response, because that's the most current thing. And to me, a lot of people argue that, you know, what Trump did was best of U.S. and stuff. I do agree. I, I actually kind of agree with that. I actually agree that Trump's not so much at fault as a lot of people in the left give him. And only because at the end of the day, it was the responsibility of Americans to put on masks. But some people are so delusional and so into conspiracy theories that, that oh, it's a hoax and all this fun stuff that, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it was the people who chose not to wear masks. And yes, Trump could have mandated and yes, you know, he could have like told his supporters and everything and started wearing the mask on his soon and everything. I'm sure that would have made a difference. But at the end of the day, people don't change, man. And if people, you know, want to believe conspiracy theories and stuff, then yeah, it's going to happen. Like a lot of other, you know, first world countries are a lot more, you know, I hate to say it, but it's true, a lot more educated than America. And so they make better healthcare decisions than Americans do. They understand better healthcare stuff than America. So at the end of the day, it was just that. But at the same time, I also agree that Biden would have definitely had a better plan. Like, look at how he handled H1N1 and, you know, uh, his handling of that situation, whereas, like, Trump with COVID. I, I understand that COVID is a lot more contagious. It's a lot more deadly. But, to like, the percentage of death rate that we're seeing in America should not have occurred in the first world country. And while I don't think it's 100% Trump's fault, at the end of the day, you are a leader of America. And you are also mostly most people who do did not wear masks or did not practice safety precautions you're also their leader it's a statistical fact that most uh people that didn't don't like wearing masks or like are against you know considering covid or hoax they by far support donald trump so you are their leader and you had you know i can't 100 percent make you at fault but you still had some responsibility i think 200,000 was too much i expected america to have higher numbers than other first world countries but i think that number could have been reduced if trump was a more capable president but he wasn't and honestly that's all i have i think i made my case uh you know if you're especially if you're a single issue voter or if you're a multi-issue voter i think i made my case for joe biden and i made you know as keeping trump stuff aside and then also made a case for why i don't think trump's the best president i think why a lot of his like and you know i can go on for a couple more hours going into more specific laws and everything but at this point if you're a right-wing supporter of supporting Trump, at the end of the day, it's your vote. If that's what you think is best for your country, is best for your people, if you're you know, in the corporation, if you're like earning 600K and you want to vote for him, go ahead. Um, at the end of the day, it's your decision. But to me, if you're a leftist, if you're a liberal, if you're a progressive, if you're a BLM supporter, if you're a woman's rights supporter, if you're, an, uh, if you're pro-choice, if you're an LGBTQ supporter, if you are anti-foreign um, intervention, that it should only be absolutely necessary and you shouldn't escalate situations. And, you know, if you're control for more background checks and about, you know, like a lot of other topics I mentioned, any of those things, you understand that Biden is by far and the clear better candidate for your issues. That's all I have to say. But uh, I apologize for this being the longest podcast, probably. But um, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope if you guys haven't voted already that you guys go and vote tomorrow. 
it's very important regardless of who you vote it's important to get your voice heard you know there's other people other than the president on the ballot that you can vote for there's amendments and everything so definitely go out get your vote in i don't think i'm gonna change anybody's mind um based on this podcast i think most people have already voted or decided they're not gonna vote if i change even one person's mind it would be worth it but even if i still don't i just want to be able to look back and see that if i was right or not but again thank you so much for joining uh make sure you guys follow me on instagram and twitter i'm trying to get my followers up a little um and yeah i will have another guest with me next week so thank you guys so much and peace